Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. This is Wandering in the Word for Sunday, September 11th, and we have kind of hidden ourselves away for this week's episode. We're this lost. Is, yes, we're lost. Yes, Do you want to describe where we are? Um, I can try. Yeah. Uh, so if you're... See, it's a weird location. There's several ways to get here, maybe. Uh, we're kind of in the top of the old archives room, I guess is what people might know it as. So if you're in the current archives room, there's like a creepy little set of stairs <laughs> that if you find the light switch that I can never find, uh, you can come up this room and then you have to turn on a landing and come in. And then we're kind of in like the back half of the room, so we're like extra hidden yeah, top that way. Yeah. Behind us is, I believe, the Norwegian library. Norwegian if you Book like library. the smell of books, I feel yeah. like this is... Yeah. If you're allergic to dust, this is not the place no. for you. No. You can yeah. ring the bell from up here yeah. as well, mm -hmm. from the bell tower. So we're kind of in the bell tower. That actually okay. sounds kind of cool. The library <laughs> and the bell, from tower. the bell tower. Yes. So, yes, we're, we decided to be lost a mm -hmm. little bit because our gospel lesson talks about lost things. Mm -hmm. So, let's read it and see what we have to say. We didn't uh, designate who's reading what, so who wants to read the gospel? I can do it. Thanks, Melissa. You're welcome. Uh, our gospel for this weekend is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or that woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. Well, All right. lost things indeed. Yeah. What do we hear? Well, I think some divine logic, not matching <laughs> human logic. I think if someone, really, what Jesus is like, which one of you doesn't leave the, well, which one of you would? I mean, yeah. if you have 99 sheep, don't you just cut your losses when one gets lost and you say, yes. at least I still have these 99. That's most of them. That's most of them. <laughs> yeah, it's only My one. My flock is mostly yeah. intact. I guess we'll call it a day. Yeah, you it is a little extreme. Abandon them in right. the wilderness yeah. to be eaten or dispersed or mm -hmm. whatever else happens to sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, bad you know, things. Bad things. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of the same logic with the second story. Then I mean, I don't exactly know what how much a silver coin is. It's not like nothing, but I don't think it's like you know a lifetime savings amount. Right. It's mm -hmm. one one coin of ten mm -hmm. that she has, and she doesn't wait for the day. She lights the lamp. 
which yeah. costs some money for the oil, mm -hmm. and frantically goes looking. And then what does she do when she finds the coin? She throws a party too, just like the <laughs> shepherd did. It, it is kind of funny, like, yeah, who among you wouldn't do this thing? And it's like, well, probably none of us. <laughs> Everyone raises their hands. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the way you put that, though. It's, it is kind of like God's economy, not our economy, that, yeah. that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, this is, a, I would say, a pretty common, there's some songs about, you know, leave the 99 yeah. and go find the one, and it's like, yeah, that sounds so lovely. It is. It is. When you're the lost sheep. When you're the one. Yes, yeah, scooped up in the arms of Jesus and treasured and rejoiced over. It's such a warm, fuzzy picture. It is. And it is lovely. I mean, that yeah. is. And there's, there's a. It, I love the, the kind of the end line that each story ends with. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Or rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. It's like there's a party in this mm -hmm. repentance for this, this found thing that the world doesn't seem to find much value in, but that God does, or the shepherd, yeah. or the, the woman who goes looking, which I think you're supposed to. And we're singing Amazing Grace this weekend, right? I once was we lost, are. but ah. now I am found. Yes, it seems to fit pretty well. It does pretty well. So, I mean, we can think about being the one and how joyful that is, but imagine being one of the 99 sheep yeah. that gets left and not celebrated and those are the pharisees and the scribes that's why they're grumbling i mean that's yeah. their whole their whole deal they're like this is not fair yeah it's not fair it's not fair to us well i think if we're really honest for most of us who you know um are are part of the church who you know worship on a regular basis we are generally would identify more with the those who are righteous Jesus clearly didn't read Martin Luther in the, that line there where he says, you know, the 99 righteous don't need to repent. Like that's, I think that's not the point he's trying to make here. But, but it is, yeah, like for those of us that have, you know, we've done everything right and we've gone to church and everything, it's, it, it can be hard for us to, yeah. to be, wait, you're going to throw a party for them? I've been here the whole time. Right. You know? kind of the, the second part of the story, as we mentioned earlier, is the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. It comes right after this, and we do get an image then of the, the other son who did everything right and doesn't get the party, and he's kind of ticked off. He's like, yeah. this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. Why are you throwing a party mm -hmm. for him and not me? Um, because life's not fair. Life's not <laughs> fair. That's not yeah. what the dad said, but yeah. that's what my dad would have said. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah. my mom. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's not fair. Um, and, and then, nor do we want it to be really at the end of the day. Like, yeah. do we really want God to treat us fairly? Like, that might not go well for us if we think about it. Um, so maybe we better stick with the gracious God, even if it's offensive or scandalous sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, in verse 2 here, it says, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, you know, this guy's eating with sinners, mm -hmm. um, you know, and hanging out with them. And in some ways, that's, I mean, those are the people that they have, ostracized is not holy they're not worthy they're not a part of the in-group um you know and the church has been guilty of doing that kind of thing all along um you know we we are a place to welcome sinners but we we often have this attitude of like well yes god forgives us but not those, those people. people you know mm -hmm. um and often those people are the ones that are the lost sheep then you know they're, right. they've been kicked out yeah. <laughs> not lost by accident. Yeah. But right. lost yeah. by like an intentional. Yeah. Or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. All well, kinds yeah. of different groups. You know, the, you know, they're, 
not worthy or something. They're on the outside. And that's the exact people that Jesus goes to. Um, and then, by extension, that we are called to as well. Oh boy, that's going to get interesting. <laughs> that is hard. It is really hard because it isn't fair. Um, and not only to go search for them, but then to also rejoice and be, right. be glad to, you know, like the joy in the presence of the angels of God. Yeah. <laughs> Hot diggity, that's a party. I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, so so we've got repentance is definitely one of the themes here, and that kind of carries over, I think, into our um, Old Testament reading, which comes from Exodus. Do you want to read yes. that one? Oh, I'd love to. This is Exodus 32, verses 7 through 14. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. They have been quick to turn aside from the way that I commanded them, they have cast for themselves an image of a calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath, change your mind, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land I have promised, I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> wow, this is, this is one of those really interesting Old Testament stories that kind of turns a lot of our preconceived notions of God kind of upside down. Yeah. I feel like. Um, I was starting right off the front because this is sometimes my husband and I do this to each other. The Lord said to Moses, your people yeah. whom <laughs> you brought up out of the land of Egypt, like they are your responsibility. Oh, your kids. And Moses mine. is like, you brought them up <laughs> with your mighty hand. Yes, that's when the kids are throwing a tantrum, like your son needs you. Uh, <laughs> yes. But um, God is ready to kind of shuffle them off onto Moses mm-hmm. Yeah. And be done with them. Yeah, I mean, and the Israelite people have been whiny throughout all of yeah, this. They have, see, they've tested God's patience. They've tested God's More patience. They have turned. You know, they they made false idols. They were looking to other other gods and other things for life and for hope, and not God. And God, even what does God call them? A stiff-necked people. <laughs> like that's an interesting saying. But like, I guess that's stubborn. Like they won't. I'm not really sure, but it's not good. <laughs> not good. Not a compliment. And God wants they to have a, God's a spiritual chiropractor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fix them up. Snap, and pop them back into place. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that it's interesting too that the promise is not completely like erased, even in God's mm-hmm. vision here. That that through Moses, this promise that He made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel here. Um, will continue, but just not through this particular crowd yeah. who've really been um, stubborn and 
yeah. disobedient and all, all those things. Yeah. And Moses has to, you know, remind God of God's own kind of commitment. You know, in verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants who you swore to them by your own self, saying, you know, I'll multiply. Like, yeah. it's like, no, God, you, you promised. Yeah, <laughs> you can't, you can't uh, um, go back on that. You can't that. go back on that promise. And, I mean, for better or for worse, God does go, and it literally says in the last verse, 14, the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. Mm-hmm. That's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yet it's there. Mm-hmm. Thank God for Moses to save yeah. God from God's self. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, a fit of rage. We, it has not been that many weeks, I feel like, since we read about Abraham yeah. petitioning God on behalf of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's right, And yeah. saying, like, don't destroy the city. Like, what if there's some righteous people mm-hmm. there? And God's saying, all right, if there's, if there's some righteous people there, I won't destroy it. And, and kind of yeah. doing this sort of changing as well yeah. of the divine plan mm-hmm. yeah and so i mean it kind of does i mean i think you know we for some in some ways in our current context we've gotten into this mindset where you know god is unchanging like everything is as it was will be and forever shall be and like i don't quite know what to make of that in light of these words like several stories in scripture that mm-hmm. tell us otherwise and i I will say, I mean, there's some, there's a certain kind of thread that would say, no, God was just, wasn't really going to do this. God was just testing Moses and Moses passed. Mm-hmm. But I don't really feel like that's true to the text. Like, wow. that's not what is being said here. That's kind of letting God off the hook, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think throughout Genesis, where we read about Abraham and Exodus, God is in a much more uh, relational role with yeah. the people where there is sort of this back and forth and give and take. There's a mutuality in in the early Old Testament books that arguing. is... arguing. Yeah, it's <laughs> like completely gone um, when you get to some of these other like New Testament books where God mm-hmm. is so, so high above us and so far yeah. kind of almost removed from us in God's mm-hmm. glory that there isn't this kind of interchange mm-hmm. and mutuality that, that apparently the ancient Israelites and Hebrew people envision yeah. when they think of God. Yeah, it, it's definitely a different way of thinking about God. I do find it kind of helpful. I mean, to think, you know, that there's only, maybe there isn't just one clear-cut path for my life that mm-hmm. God has already preordained since before time existed. Because God changed God's mind here. God, mm-hmm. is a, yeah, it'll be more relational, more like my life is a little more... I don't know, fluid, you know, it's alive. It's not Mm. cast for me, like there's choices to be made and sometimes it's two good choices and sometimes it's two bad choices, but you gotta pick the best you got. Um, And the- Do you know know what word I like for this, kind of what you're describing? Dynamic. Dynamic. Dynamic relationship. Yeah, that feels far more like personal Mm -hmm. and relational than Everything's already set in place like the clockwork and God is just kind of hanging out watching. Right. Like God is in the midst and responding to the decisions we make and things and, you know, <laughs> there's a sign that says, you know, everything happens for a reason. And the, the, the funny version of that is everything happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason is you are dumb and make poor choices in life. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, well, you know, it doesn't ex- exclude the promise, but it is yeah. a reality that, like, we as humans, 
you know, are, are destroying the planet that we live on. And yes, we can do that through our poor choices and our overconsumption. It doesn't mean God leaves, but it doesn't mean we have to like do some things to try to change, right? To repent, mm -hmm. if you will, from Jesus' words. Um, so I don't know. It, it is, a, I think, interesting for us in 21st century Christianity to, to hear these words. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Old Testament followers of God were okay with this. Yeah. God changed God's well, mind I, all the time. I think in some ways we have to be okay with it. If we start thinking about prayer, for example, if everything is set on yeah. a path and nothing's going to change and God has, you know, made up, made up every decision of what's going to happen and how, then why in the world would we pray for people yeah. who are sick, people who are dying, people who are suffering? And we we pray that God would intervene, that God would do something to change the situation, to heal the people, to guide and, and whatever. And I think if we are going to take prayer seriously, then we have to consider the possibility that God does change courses from time to time. And yeah. Oops, the battery died on our camera right at the very end of recording our podcast. So, Thank you for joining us for our podcast today for Wandering in the Word for September 11th, 2022. We hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for another Wandering in the Word podcast here at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. 